Gracious Lord, we live in trying times. Uh, many of us are frightened when we read the news and we see what's going on roundabout. But glory, hallelujah, our Redeemer lives. And what sweet comfort this is. And so we come to you now as your people with our request. We ask this morning, Lord, for those who are not feeling well, that you would help them, that you would sustain their bodies and their souls. I'm sure, Lord, there are some with coughs and, and fevers, and they're worried that maybe this is the coronavirus. And I ask, Lord, that you would comfort them, give them peace. We ask for many in our community that are sick with coronavirus, that you would heal them. Lord, many of our older folks need to be home and isolating themselves, and it's not easy being alone and being home alone. And so we ask, Lord, that your spirit would sustain them in difficult times, would drive them ever back to our Redeemer who lives. Lord, we ask for our many medical professionals, first responders, doctors, nurses, who are on the front lines of battling this epidemic. And Lord, we ask that you would give them strength and that they would be hope, give hope to those who they interact with, even if they're not able to pray with their patients, that nevertheless, that their calmness and their hope would shine through. Lord, we ask for the many teachers who are now suddenly having to figure out how to teach online or how to provide for their students uh, as school is suspended. We ask that you would give those teachers grace, wisdom, and ingenuity as they figure out how to help their students. Lord, we ask for the many parents who are now facing homeschooling for six weeks and maybe don't even know how to do that. We ask that you give them patience and wisdom. And for the many in our community, Lord, who are already even having hours cut back from work, we ask that you would provide for them in trying times. We bring all these prayers to you as your people, knowing that you will answer them because you have already given us your Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Well, this morning we won't pass the offering plates over the internet. It doesn't work that way, but we can. Uh, you can now give online on the website if you uh, want to do that. Uh, on the front page of the website, just press the Give button. But I remind you, Proverbs 3 tells us to honor the Lord with our wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This week, I was getting ready to preach on uh, Joshua 7 to talk about Achan and Achan's sin and his punishment. And about halfway through the week, three quarters of the way through the week, when I realized we weren't going to have service today, I thought, we probably need something a bit more comforting than Achan and his family being punished for Achan's sin. So this morning, I want to talk for a few minutes and look at Psalm 23 together. Psalm 23. This psalm has been treasured by Christians throughout the ages for its simplicity for its comforting imagery, for its offer of peace and contentment. So hear now the reading of God's word, Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 sets three simple truths before our eyes. Now, kids, I know you're not at church with note cards, but if you take notes, uh, your parents can put these onto the chapel Facebook page or they can email them to me, and I'm happy to see your notes. So kids, keep taking notes. There's three simple truths that Psalm 23 sets before our eyes. The first is simply this. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. Sheep and shepherding were part of the daily life of ancient Israel. Sheep were actually the most frequent mentioned animals in the whole Bible. They were kept for meat, for milk, and for wool. Abraham, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel, ten of Jacob's twelve sons, Moses and Zipporah, David, Amos, all were shepherds. It's basically a who's who of the Bible. And throughout the Bible, God himself is described as a shepherd. In Psalm 77, he's a shepherd who guides his sheep. In Psalm 78, a shepherd who protects his sheep. In Ezekiel 34, God is a shepherd who saves his sheep. And in Jeremiah 31, God is a shepherd who gathers his sheep. In ancient Israel, the way they kept sheep was different than how sheep are kept today. Sheep weren't kept fenced in a pasture. No, each morning the shepherd wakes up and leads the sheep out from the sheepfold. He leads them along paths to safe grazing grounds to find them green grass. And once the sheep had eaten for a few hours, then the shepherd would lead them to find water to drink as the day heats up. And at midday, the shepherd finds a safe, shady spot for the sheep to rest. And then he leads them out for more grazing and more drinking. And at the end of the day, the shepherd leads the sheep back to the sheepfold and counts each one as they enter to make sure none were lost. The sheep were totally dependent on the shepherd for protection, for food and water, for shelter, for tending to their injuries. And this is the image that Psalm 23 gives us for the relationship between God and his people. This is the image that Psalm 23 sets before our eyes. The Lord is my shepherd. I am his sheep, and I will not want. Notice what Psalm 23 says it means to not want. It's not extravagance or riches. It doesn't mean anything you could possibly conceive of you'll get. Psalm 23 simply says that God will find us verdant, peaceful meadows to rest in from time to time, and that he will lead us to waters that we can drink from. Simply put, if the Lord is my shepherd, I will have what I need. As the coronavirus has spread around our country, we read in the news reports around our country and even here in our area of people hoarding food and supplies, of fights breaking out in grocery stores. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with being prepared, but when people are hoarding at the expense of their neighbors, and at the expense of the good of their community, this is a clear indicator that the Lord is not their shepherd, that they are not trusting in him for his provision. Now, to put the point bluntly, in a time of crisis, 
Is an extra month's worth of toilet paper really going to sustain you? Eventually, the toilet paper supply will run out, and then where will you be? On the other hand, in Philippians 4, Paul says that if the God of peace is with you, you can be content in any situation. Paul writes, I have learned in whatever situation that I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through God who strengthens me. And in John 10, Jesus takes up this image of the shepherd and applies it to himself. Here Jesus teaches us that we will not want because through his work, God provides for our deepest needs, our spiritual needs. Jesus tells his disciples, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. As the good shepherd, Jesus dies for his sheep. Now, if we live knowing that we are loved with a love like that, then we can face toilet paper shortages and even going hungry. We can face all circumstances like Paul. We can be satisfied and content with what we have. If the Lord is your shepherd, you will not want. You will be content with what he provides for you. And then look at verse 3. David spells out what this means, that we will not want. The shepherd restores our souls, and he leads us on paths of righteousness. The shepherd restores our souls. It's a bit like a classic car might get rusty and not run anymore after sitting in a barn for years. But someone might lovingly restore it, taking it apart, cleaning parts, replacing other parts, refinishing everything until the car is made new. It's restored. And that's what God does with us. He restores our souls. He takes us apart, cleans us off, replaces what needs replaced, and makes us new. The Lord is in the process of restoring our souls, of making us into a new creation. And he even uses difficulties like virus outbreaks to do that. The shepherd also leads us on paths of righteousness. There is, as Derek Kidner puts it, a demanding moral content to the path that God leads us on. There's the call to live a righteous life like our shepherd is righteous. That's not always easy, but we follow him. And we see in a minute here that he has a staff to help keep us on that path. Now, part of being content in every circumstance is knowing that the Lord is our shepherd and so we shall not want. But part of our trouble now is not necessarily wanting, but fearing. And here's the second truth Psalm 23 puts before our eyes. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not fear. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not fear. Notice Psalm 23 verse 4 does not say, The Lord is my shepherd, so I will never walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Or that I will never face difficulties. Quite the opposite. Psalm 23 says you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that you will experience hardship and toil, that you will pass through trying and difficult seasons when a dark shadow lies over everything. You will face death itself. But you need not fear. Why? Because, David says, you are with me. If the Lord is with you, you need not fear. 
We do not walk the dark path through the veil alone. The Lord is our shepherd, and so we will not fear. This fall, Ezra and I had to go get our flu shots together, and Ezra was pretty nervous, a bit afraid about getting a a shot, and frankly, uh, I was a little nervous too. I'm not a fan of shots. But going together to get our shots made all the difference, especially for Ezra. He saw Dad get his shot first, and he sat on Dad's lap and looked at my face instead of at the needle, and he wasn't afraid anymore. He had courage. And it's just a little picture of what it's like, that if the Lord is our shepherd, he's with us in trying times. The Lord is your shepherd, your companion, your friend. Then you need not fear even in the face of death. We can face the darkest situation if we're holding his hand. Walking with God changes everything. From the outside, things may not look any different. Those who walk with the shepherd still get cancer. They still face unemployment. They still risk contracting coronavirus. But walking with the shepherd, with God, our Lord, stills our fears and gives us confidence and courage. And so in frightening times, in national emergencies, you need not fear. God himself walks with you. Not only does he walk with you, but it says he has a rod and a staff to comfort you. The rod and the staff point to two things that the shepherd would do. The rod's a bit like a a club to beat off animals that might try and get the sheep. They hit wolves or lions or bears. The rod's for defense. But the staff is what we call a shepherd's crook. It's got a hook at the end. And the shepherd uses it to hook around a sheep's neck that's going the wrong way or around its belly. That when the sheep starts to get off the path, the shepherd pulls him back onto the path. So God both defends us and corrects us. And this is our sweet comfort, his defense and his correction. There's a third truth in this passage. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not fear. But a third simple truth. The Lord is my shepherd, I will dwell in his house. The Lord is my shepherd, I will dwell in his house. This is the goal that the whole psalm is moving towards, not simply to have our wants met or our fears comforted, but to dwell with God himself. God himself is the reward at the end of this psalm. Verse 5 says he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Not only are we secure, not only are we defended, but we can even feast in the midst of our enemies, in the midst of trial. And that full table is a sign of friendship with God, a sign of shalom, of God's peaceful justice. And it says our cup overflows. The cup of wine is a sign of joy, of feasting, of laughing together. And our heads are anointed with oil. This is the goal of this whole psalm, not simply to be sheep who are pulled back on the path, but to feast as friends with God himself, to have fellowship with God, to dwell with God. Going back to John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life. He lays down his life so that we can have a way to dwell with God again, so that we can have peace and friendship with God. We read here, surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. This isn't just following from behind like the caboose. This word is actually pursuing, 
It's what Saul did to David, chasing after him, pursuing him. He says, even if Saul pursues me, I know that your goodness and mercy will pursue me even more. Many of us know that feeling. We've been there before, that the hounds of heaven, to quote the poet, have chased us, have pursued us. That God's goodness has chased us and pursued us even when we were straying from it. And yet Jesus, the good shepherd, comes to call his sheep. They know his voice and he lays down his life so that we can dwell with God. I encourage you to meditate on Psalm 23 during this coming week and even to share its hope with your family and with your friends and with your neighbors and co-workers because it sets three simple truths before our eyes. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not fear. And the Lord is my shepherd, one day I will dwell in his house. Let us pray together. Almighty and holy God, you are our shepherd. Lord, provide for our needs that we will not want. Lead us to green pastures, to still waters. Restore our souls. Lead us along paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Lord, you are our shepherd, and so we call you to walk with us through this time of fear, through this troubling time. We know intellectually that you are with us, but we ask, Lord, that we would feel your presence throughout this week, that we would feel the communion of the Spirit and the Son dwelling within us. By your rod, mighty Lord, defend us, and by your staff, correct us, comfort us. Gracious Lord, you're not only a shepherd, but you're our host and our friend who calls us to feast with you. And so, Lord, may your goodness and mercy pursue us all the days of our life. May we ever have the hope before our eyes of dwelling with you, our Lord, forever. Amen.